Hello, I'm Stephen Woodford. I'm Chief Executive Officer of the UK's Advertising Association. Now, throughout my career, I've had the chance to see the power our industry holds in driving positive social change. And it is this power that drove us at the Advertising Association, along with the IPA and ISBA, to launch in 2020 AdNet Zero. It's an industry-wide initiative for advertising to reach net zero in the UK in advertising operations by the end of 2030. I'm delighted to be your host together with Seb Munden of this podcast series, where we'll be talking about the sustainability challenges and opportunities within the advertising industry's path to net zero. In these conversations with industry leaders, we'll discuss the five actions of the Ad Net Zero Action Plan, ranging from curbing emissions from production to using the advertising's power to support consumer behaviour change, and how businesses in our industry might achieve these. Now, the climate crisis is obviously a global problem and one that concerns us all and in which we all play a role in solving. We're very happy to welcome you into the AdNet Zero world and we hope that we can give you some ideas on how to join us on this journey and what your role is in it. and welcome to the fifth episode of the AdNet Zero podcast. I'm Sebastian Munden, Chair of AdNet Zero, and today I'm joined by Anna Abdelnour, CEO and founder of Isla. We'll hear more about Isla in a minute. And Rachel Aldiguieri, Managing Director of DMA UK. And we'll unpack that acronym as well in just a moment. Uh, so uh, Anna, um, just introduce yourself. Thank you, Seb. Um, yes, I'm Anna Abdonor. I am CEO and co-founder of ILA, which is the event industry sustainability body um, leading the way uh, in terms of environmental sustainability in the events industry, looking primarily at corporate event sector. Um, there's a lot of work happening in arts and culture and festival space already, but there's obviously an enormous um, impact from business, corporate, you know, the B2B, B2C events that take place. So Isla, um, which uh, is Isla I, in, in English and Isla in Spanish, Nadia es una isla. Um, but if we're uh, thinking about it in English, it's, it's Isla, easy mistake to make. Um, it's really about industry sustainability through leadership and action. So we focus on three main areas around um, our kind of association arm, which is our community and network, uh, where we engage with multiple stakeholders um, across the sector, whether that be the brands, the suppliers, venues, destinations, caterers, uh, agencies and so on, the, the multiple stakeholders involved in the delivery of an event. Um, we also, uh, within that, sorry, the community side of things, we have peer-to-peer -peer networking, knowledge sharing, best practice, opportunities to connect across peers um, and kind of break down some of the siloism. We have our kind of direct action initiatives, uh, which are all about resources, tools. Um, we have our own carbon measurement platform, for example, working groups, action groups, um, our advisory board and so on. So that's all about how we're able to take direct action um, and then on the third strand of things, really about that leadership piece. So being able to use data, insights, um, 
push the narrative forward, the thought leadership, the opportunity to um, create a different uh, environment and an atmosphere in which we're having conversations about, about sustainability and using data to really drive those insights. So, uh, yeah, that's a long, short summary on everything that we do at Isla. Great. Thank you. And and we're going to come back to some of those uh, big topics in a minute. So um, it, we'll, uh, we'll get into that a bit deeper. So, Rachel... Um, uh, DMA UK. Yeah, so the DMA UK is the um, Data and Marketing Association. Um, I'm the managing director of the DMA. Um, we essentially set the standards for the data and marketing industry. We have a membership of about a thousand um, brands, agencies, tech companies who all work to the DMA Code of Conduct, um, which is a fairly stringent compliance process that sits behind that. And I think perhaps more the key relevant bit for me as well is we run one of the biggest award shows in um, the industry. So um, we run an award show, um, which runs the whole year, really, when we start looking at best practice and how we use that. Um, so, you know, in terms of when we come on to talk about the role of awards, it was really important that we kind of lead the way in adopting the right behaviours um, for shows more broadly. Yeah, no, very good. So uh, we're talking about action four. So you'll um, remember we've spoken about this before, the five key actions of AdNet Zero. Um, and action four um, is really about um, making sure that we reduce to zero the emissions through awards and from events. So uh, that's why we have Anna and Rachel with us uh, today. Um, and uh, if you think about it, um, you know, what we're trying to do here is challenge industry award bodies to ensure that the sustainability credentials and the climate impact um, of campaigns are accounted for when judging work for awards, but also encouraging the organisers of events, conferences and awards to put sustainability at the forefront of their planning, making sure that the awards don't increase the carbon footprint of our industry but in fact um, are tending to zero so that would be thinking about the carbon involved in travel production and how to minimize waste so um, when we think about awards specifically you know trying to introduce sustainability thinking into judging criteria but also in a way making sure that we don't give awards through other lenses which have unintended uh, poor climate impact um, and um, of course we're working with campaign here in the UK on the first ever campaign adnet zero awards right now um, and and thinking about how that can also help um, inspire um, and showcase uh, transition um, and when we think about events um, and you know covid 19 has taught us a lot about the success of um, virtual events, how virtual events can play a role. But of course, it would be a very uh, difficult situation where people never to meet face to face again. Um, that's not really how the industry sort of galvanizes and energizes itself and steps forward. So we really need to think about how um, we manage international events and the use of the kind of suppliers uh, to those events as both Anna and Rachel talked about. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, um, in the next uh, few minutes. Um, but maybe, um, uh, Anna, starting with you and, and Isla, um, 
Isla is the partner for Adnet Zero in this space, particularly the way I think um, that I appreciate is how you've codified, as it were, what the issues are and how to deal with them. Um, just maybe um, just come back a little bit more uh, around the work that you've done so far to help um, events uh, really think that through. Sure. Yeah, I think when we founded Isla, there was the realisation and kind of very clear observation that there was a lack of consistency, a lack of clarity um, and a lack of available support um, for business owners, for event planners, um, for event owners, people who hold that ultimate budget um, to really understand what is sustainability uh, in the first instance, what does that mean when you apply that to an event? And how do you marry up the multitude of different stakeholders from um, the supply chain that you're working with to your own kind of corporate stakeholders, that, you know, those people who are wanting to put in the events on to the, the teams delivering it um, within agencies and then those people that you're inviting. And so really one of the the big things for us was about taking into account how complicated this subject is and how many facets there are and finding a way to simplify that as much as possible um, within reason. So for us, it was really about this multi-stakeholder engagement piece and recognising that everybody's trying to solve the same problems. We're all trying to reduce waste, reduce carbon, leave positive impact, you know, have a positive legacy in the work that we're doing. Um, and so how were we able to connect up A and B and C and D to work together in that space rather than working across their own um, singular objectives, as it were? Uh, and that's really in this perspective that, you know, net zero, we all have one singular common goal. It's probably the only thing that the entire you know, planet and all citizens have ever been able to unite fully behind is this carbon emission reduction in line with net zero. So we've really taken that as our stance that it's not about just having kind of this carbon tunnel vision. There's lots that sits around that. But if we can kind of create this standard and, you know, Rachel's talked to that as well about some kind of standard that everybody is adhering to an approach that everybody's taking, um, it gives us uh, clarity and something for us to rally behind. And so that's really how we've um, developed a lot of the resources and a lot of the ways that we work with people is behind quite a singular mission, but recognizing the multi different stakeholder needs um, within that. So I don't know whether you want me to carry on or whether you want to interject. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I think I think the point is that you're talking to a, a sort of very um, a wide group of people, some people who you know, clearly most of the time are organizing events and therefore experts, but need to sort of deepen the expertise that they have in this space. But also you're talking more broadly to people who commission events who may not be experts in the supply chain of events. And I think that's where potentially, um, you know, the work that you've done um, will, will kind of reverberate. Um, I'm sure as the event industry um, becomes more and more au fait with the supply chain issues that you're speaking of. Um, those problems can be solved, but but actually the whole concept of an event and bringing people together and the the value and purpose of that, the travel implications, I think those that's a much broader topic, isn't it? 
Yeah. And, you know, it's a really, um, it's really interesting. I think, you know, we try to simplify things down as much as possible. I think it's part of just humanity is looking for, we we take very, very complicated themes and try and explain them quite simply. Um, And we, we try and do that as well with um, events, hybrid or virtual better than live because reduced travel for example Uh, but that simplifies down beyond why do we have events why are we meeting why are communicating what's the need to have face-to-face interactivity you know so events have such value to education to knowledge transfer to networking to relationship building Um, and so we have to be quite um discerning I think in how we talk about things we know we need to reduce travel but that doesn't mean that a virtual event is the single solution to that um so I think there's this this need to be able to hold two concepts to be true at the same time which is we need to reduce travel and virtual has an opportunity for us to do that but we also need to meet because it meets other needs we also need the face-to-face interactivity because it has other needs and therefore how are we able to be quite strategic and therefore what tactics are we able to apply in ensuring that we are meeting the needs of the planet, the needs of our stakeholders and the needs of us as people as well. So um, I don't think that necessarily makes it simpler, but I think it sort of provides more um, kind of nuance to the, well, we just stop traveling argument. Yes, reduce travel emissions, but no, don't lose all the quality um, and the vitality and the vibrancy um, of running in person. It's not evil. It's not It's not a bad thing. We just need to be uh, more mindful about how we deliver around those events. Indeed. And, and the, the value created is, is, is uh, worth it and that the, um, the carbon footprint uh, of the event is uh, taken into consideration and managed. Mm. Rachel, talk, talk to us a bit about awards then. What's the sort of thinking in awards? You, you, you've got the same kind of event type issues to deal with that Anna's spoken of, but also, of course, you know, what's, um, uh, get, what gets awarded, that has a sort of ripple effect through the industry. Um, talk to us about, um, about the steps that are being taken there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in my role as chair of the Action for Working Group, we've kind of set out an approach that we feel hopefully is realistic and achievable. So it's, it's a gradual approach leading to that 2030 goal. And, you know, initially we said, let's have all awards um, shows, programmes, introduce a sustainability category, a bare minimum. Let's make sure that it's on the agenda. Um, but then perhaps more importantly is that judging criteria. And I think, you know, going back to the role of awards within this, it is more than just um, an event, obviously, um, I think they can really drive a shift in behaviour in, in probably two ways, actually. One, you think the best and most well-respected awards programmes really define what great looks like in our industry. And um, they play a significant role in ensuring that definition of great, um, so the criteria they're stipulating, captures the campaign's environmental impact. And in turn, hopefully that then will influence the industry um, to take action I think if all industry awards get to the point of recognising creative brilliance and innovation, which has a positive impact on people and planet um, and doesn't sanction bad practice, most importantly, awards hopefully will become a a powerful lever of change and really incentivise the industry. You know, everyone loves winning an award, don't they, in in the right direction. And then I think the other way that they can help 
you know, shape that um, changes, they are a benchmark for excellence. So award-winning campaigns are put on a pedestal. Um, you know, for us at the DMA, our awards currently are judged on creativity, strategy and results. We're, we're really showcasing the effectiveness of those campaigns and how great they were. They are. And we use those in all our teaching. So they become the kind of bastion of what good looks like, what you should be working towards. So all our IDM training will always showcase winning case studies. So, so they're about inspiring change as well. So and and planting those sustainable behaviours. And I guess also normalising it, actually, um, showing that reducing the carbon impact of a campaign can go hand in hand with effectiveness. It's not an either or. Um, and so I think awards play a really important role in. And I guess when you start to look at, you know, Action 5, we haven't talked about that um, yet, of, of the Ad Net Zero plan in terms of showing the power of advertising, it's those case studies that do that. So it all works, you know, very neatly together. Um, in terms of how we feel the show should approach it, we can't have that change happen overnight, and we appreciate that. So, so what we've started to do alongside introducing the focus category is introduce the notion of me- measuring carbon impact. So um, for many of the award schemes, we're asking that they, within the entry forms, add an optional carbon calculator to start that behaviour change. But the idea being, come 2030, that's an essential element of those entry forms. So we appreciate the fact we've got to get a change in behaviour, not just in how people are putting awards together, because we know that that awards process really starts with a brief from the client. So we need to get the changes in place there that then change the behaviours that then impact the awards entry. But we know it's a circular kind of influence. So um, if agencies need to do that to win those awards, hopefully they'll be putting the pressures on clients to make sure they're getting the right briefs to enable them to do that too. Can yeah, I... so I like the point you're making, which is about the, I like the point you're making, which is about the um, explicit incentivization through awards, but also care being taken about the implicit sustainability of great work. And mm-hmm. both of those seem to me to be extremely important. Anna? Well, I just, I was, yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're saying there, I was going to reflect as well in, in terms of what Rachel was saying about this kind of circular approach that, you you know, how do we shift the behaviours? Um, you know, there's systemic changes, there's behavioural changes, there's cultural changes, and there's the opportunity for all of those elements to be influenced in the way the awards, um, the awards are conducted. And I think you're creating a cultural change by including sustainability, by saying, like you say, Rachel, normalising it, making this part of it. It's not just about investment, it's ROI. It's not just about creativity. It's not just about execution. It's also about the considerations for sustainability. And then you, you know, by, by introducing a system in which people are expected to report the carbon impact of that, you are forcing behaviour change, um, which is really important because behaviours don't necessarily change independently. Something There's often an external factor. If you take COVID, for example, you know, we would never have um, shifted to a cultural norm of having a hybrid work, working environment or from working from home or, you know, locking ourselves in our houses for <laughs> weeks on end. That was a system shifting to say, right, we need behaviours to adapt. So there's this really interesting piece in that, which is through the application of a systemic change in the way awards are considered, the way that scores are allocated and the kind of way that people have to prepare a response, you create inherent behavior change. 
um, with the cultural shift of normalizing it, you also create inherent behavior behavior change because it's on people's radar. Yeah, and then absolutely. you've also got the behavioral change that happens across culture as a result of these amazing campaigns, which changes systems. So it's not just a wheel, it's almost kind of like this creative opportunity in which you're shooting off in multiple directions. Um, I haven't quite got the visualization for it yet, but I'm, I'm coming to coming to something that I might might have to scribble on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work brilliantly for podcasts, but we'll uh, we'll let you off. Um, I think one of the things that um, I'm taking out of this part of the conversation is at the moment, I think we could respond to great campaigns and great work by saying amazing effectiveness or amazing creativity, shame about the carbon footprint. And I think we want to move towards a world where we wouldn't say something had amazing creativity and effectiveness if it had a disastrous carbon footprint. It just wouldn't be possible. And that's the journey that as an industry, we all need to take together. Yeah, um, absolutely. And um, that's that is that is a something that has to, each person in a way needs to come to that conclusion for themselves at a certain point in time. Um, but but on the other hand, we haven't got that long, uh, mm. and and we need to be able to move quite quickly away from amazing creativity, effectiveness, and an appalling constant consequence mm. for the planet. Um, that that is not a, a a great place to be, um, and and that's the sense I get from a lot of the agencies that uh, I speak to, the supporters of Adnet Zero, and the clients, which is that's a phase, that's a phase, and and this kind of looking at it in the whole um, will become the norm. So just talking about tracking and measuring then. Um, the tools, Rachel, that you're providing on for people to be able to add carbon footprint or sustainability measures, is that something that's going to become uh, shareable and available? Or is that something at the moment that's still in pilot at the DMA? Yeah, so, so still in pilot really within the group. So our working group is made up of the majority of um, the industry's awards scheme. So, so we're looking at the best way of doing that, you know, which carbon calculator we should be advocating. What we have started doing is creating a checklist for awards um, to work to. So looking at does the campaign promote a sustainable product, lifestyle or behaviour, you know, so will the messaging help consumers make um, sustainable choices? Is the campaign sustainably made? And that's where we're looking at um, carbon emissions and the measurement of those and what's been done to reduce and mitigate them. And then the third one being around is the organisation of sustainable business. Um, so does it have sustainability credentials? So like B Corp or membership of AdNet Zero and looking at those as the, the starting benchmarks. But it's quite interesting when you start to look at the actual products and services that are being submitted for awards. So such as automotive companies or companies that you know are advocating electric vehicles, where, where do they stand in awards? And I think that's really interesting when, um, when you start to, you know, in 2030, as you say, we can't be awarding um, gold to companies that have had a negative impact on the environment. So it, it's really important that we're not just looking at the process in isolation, we're looking at the impact of what we're doing. So I think schemes like eco-effectiveness, they're quite interesting when you're looking at um, the impact of the sales of your campaign. So what, what's been the carbon impact of that, not just looking at the campaign in isolation. So. It's a fairly complex thing to get our heads around in terms of how we judge this. But, you know, in terms of that broader behaviour, 
change around products and services that we are promoting, you know, some key choices have to be made early on for brands and agencies in terms of how they move forward with that. Um, and how and we- in order to create the broader economic impact, you know, in the end, all industries will need to, you know, reduce their carbon impact and their waste and their impact on waste. And therefore, I think at AdNet Zero, we're, we're very inclusive. Everyone has a journey to make. Some industries are inherently on a short journey. Some industries are inherently on a longer journey. Um, and therefore, we need to think about how the advertising industry supports all their client industries to make these journeys. And, and we're very inclusive at AdNet Zero. Anyone who's uh, sincere about making progress, you know, that's something that we would uh, definitely support, um, what you might call the broad church approach. I think there's something really interesting in here as well about kind of campaigns and actually how the advertising industry needs to look at the way um, the way work is delivered to meet future needs. Um, so in, in the sense that it's how, how do I how do I uh, phrase this? You know, we're always about selling new or selling a lifestyle or selling, you know, a product. The reason that we have campaigns is to grow revenue or to reach greater audiences, all these sorts of things. And I think when you take, um, I think it's Selfridges who have recently announced that they want, I think by 2030, something, is it 30 or 40% of um, possibly even greater than that? I wish I had the statistic to hand um, to be a kind of a take back, reuse, recycle, repurpose scheme. So they're trans and they're talking about transactions. So they want transactions to actually be about circular economy um, and real cultural consumerist behavioral changes. This is not saying we're just going to sell products that have a lower carbon footprint. This is about talking about con- consumer behavior behavioral changes and working with brands that are delivering that and looking at how to transact in a very different way and i think that's something that you know the advertising industry has an opportunity to understand how they'll respond as there's more shift towards circular economy as more progressive businesses are working towards uh delivering consumer appetite in a different way and i think that's very exciting to take into account uh in, in the context of what Rachel was saying around effectiveness and what we're doing and how we're delivering it and how does advertising actually need to shift its mindset to respond to what is actually a very new challenge to market transactional activity um, in a different way as opposed to traditional transactions, which is exchange for new goods. So there's something really interesting there. That's a, well, it's a big question. but I think also what's sort of happened is you know traditionally um you know at the beginning of people's careers they you know get taught about the difference between benefits and features um and of course it's an extremely important discipline in the communication um of products and services to be able to distinguish between the two but looking back now over you know over 30 years in consumer products industry what i've noticed is that things that maybe 20, 30 years ago, we thought features have become benefits. And disassembly or repairability um, is becoming a benefit. Um, it's becoming an economic ven- benefit because it's, um, it's thrifty. It's thrifty not to have to buy a new one, but just to replace the bit that's broken. Um, and therefore, it's, it's eco in two senses. It's economical and it's ecological. 
Um, but but 20 years ago, we'd be talking about that um, as something no one cared about. Uh, or if people did, maybe they didn't admit it, or maybe people in, in marketing didn't admit it either. Um, mm. So I think that's is extremely interesting. And Rachel, to well, your point, becomes... builds the kind of criteria uh, for for um, judging categories um, beyond maybe just the conventional. Imagine the, the, the kind of global business case, um, you know, in an industry where repairability um, and reuse um, and disassembly um, become the mainstream. Amazing. No, I was going to say alongside that is also not forgetting what we've always been really good at in marketing and advertising, which is driving behavior change. So, you know, that while we do need to rethink an element of what, well, a good chunk of what we're doing, um, the fact that our kind of forte is about changing behaviors and, and pushing for that and getting results on that, that should, you know, that absolutely has to maintain that we need to maintain that focus and push that change through as well so you know not forgetting the role that that we play in influencing and driving change um is super important and obviously the awards can play a strong role in, in recognizing that i think that's also can just just to add to that is is again something that's actually really exciting which is that so many of our big agencies are brands in and of themselves um and have their own brand reputations and identities and cult you know cultural influences and those sorts of things and i just think there's such an amazing opportunity to possibly recognize as well within awards these uh you know advertiser brands that are delivering their own campaigns you know when when if you think about it in that way, like how, how do they use their creativity, their teams, their, uh, you know, the talent, um, the drive within their own agencies to create campaigns that drive change uh, outside of client focused work? Because that's not that there's so many reasons and rationale, so much rationale for why you may may consider doing that anyway, um, you know, from business development through to kind of, you know, allowing creativity to flourish within the agency but i think there's something in there around you know an advertiser brand's own campaigns and the opportunity within that and actually how you can reward that through an awards scheme for um driving driving behavioral change or driving positive influence that sort of thing and um, indeed and, and more broadly um the impact that has um on uh, attraction and as an em employer brand um you know, it's over um, 15 years ago now at Unilever, where um, I spent most of my career, um, you know, that we um, detected a clear shift in the attitude of um, uh, graduates leaving university and mid-career uh, marketers, and indeed many of the other professions um, in a company like Unilever, um, across the piece to work in a company where they felt that uh, someone uh, was working hard to, um, you know, grow the business and decrease the impact on waste and carbon at the same time. Um, and uh, and as you say, this, you know, there are other measures in terms of uh, employment attractiveness and employee loyalty that come with that. But if we think then about, um, you know, people listening to this and saying, okay, so. I, I get it, but how do you know what should I be tracking and measuring when I think of events 
what should I be looking at? What's your kind of top tips, Anna, for, you know, where to start? Yeah. Um, well, we at Isla have kind of created a framework which we call PROCEED, uh, which stands for Plan and Review the Outcomes for Sustainable Event Deliveries. We all love an acronym. Um, but PROCEED is really a best practice framework um, that is for any stakeholder, uh, whether that's in the supply chain, uh, the, you know, the event owner, the agency brand, etc., that enables everybody to kind of look at an event through the same lens. And we um, divide that into four areas, which is energy, travel and transport, food and water or catering and production. So those are the four areas that we recommend people look at. Um, and energy is your um, venue energy or your generator energy in its most simplest sense. Catering is around how you're feeding your attendees um, and also how you're feeding your staff. And then travel and transport looks again at attendee travel, but also your, your crew and staff travel as well as your production transportation um, and then production looks at the materials that you're using um, and the waste that you're generating um, or not generating by repurposing, reusing, recycling, etc. So we look at those four core areas, energy, travel and transport, production, um, food and water or, or catering, whichever one's easiest. Um, and those four areas are really kind of we provision guidelines around that on how to measure, what to measure and so on. And we have a supplementary platform called Trace, which enables you to actually measure the carbon footprint um, of your event uh, within that framework. Um, and that also provides reductions, tips and solutions as well. So, well, we're doing this, but actually we could reduce our carbon footprint by X amount next time if we made different decisions. Um, and so how would people there. avail themselves of these kind of tools? Where could they find them? Well, Proceed is available at proceed.events, P-R-O-S-E-E-D.events. That's a free online platform, um, which has got heaps and heaps of information there. There's also some downloadable um, templates and resources and guidelines, etc. Um, then there is uh, Trace, which is traceyour.events, um, where you can uh, find out more about the platform, attend a demo. Um, that's a subscription service uh, because it's a it's a piece of it's a it's a tech tech platform. Um, so there's lots of ongoing development work that happens there. So there we are. For those of you who are starting to try and tackle um, your events and think about. Uh, more consciously your event supply chain there's some uh, resources there from Anna and Rachel coming to uh, awards then what's the state of play at the moment where do we think we've got you know kind of awards best practice you know how's it going for this year's DMAs where judging coming up in the middle of judging if I'm not mistaken we've got the campaign Adnet Zero Awards too. Um, yeah, Adnet Zero Awards, I think judging is in progress now. Um, DMAs, we're just coming up to our deadline. So we're, you know, pushing as much for our sustainability category as we can to get those case studies in. Um, but I think I think in terms of best practice awards, what's interesting, it, it's not necessarily just about the awards entry, actually. Um, a good award entry generally comes from having a good process before then. So, you know, bedding in all these objectives into the original briefing process, you know, ensuring you've got very clear objectives and results. All of those things apply in the same way um, as they do for your ordinary business objectives. You need to be building in the sustainability side of things from the outset. So 
unless you do that, then backtracking when it comes to the awards entry, which we do see, you know, a few entrants doing in all different areas of their work becomes a lot harder. Um, so I think, you know, as with all, you know, we say this all the time with all awards entries, you know, start your campaign in a way that's set up to become a wonderful award entry. So bed in your sustainability thinking then um, before you've even kickstarted so you know what you're measuring from the outset. So, so I suppose you're also saying if you've done action one and you're already monitoring your carbon footprint and working to reduce that, you've signed up under action two using ad green or similar tools to not just measure but consciously think about reducing your carbon footprint and waste in production you've got your head around the media impact um, on carbon in uh, action three you're going to have a great submission it's almost like it was planned and then you've got action <laughs> five where you're showcasing the power of our industry to drive change so no it, it absolutely is, is that said you know i think work through that plan and you start to build a very powerful award submission. Oh, very good. And um, yes, yeah, so we're in the middle of, of judging on the campaign and at zero awards. Um, and um, we're looking forward uh, to um, those announcements shortly. Um, and I, I just think it's so, um, you know, inspiring to, that um, we can in a way allow everyone across the industry to really um, start to create submissions uh, across several categories uh, of those awards. Um, whether it's green production, the most innovative way to um, create amazing production with zero uh, impact, or whether it's you know media. I think one of the you know really um, com complex topic that I think a lot of people are, are getting into. Um, all of these things um, are going to start to sort of um, uh, have showcases. And as you say, the winners create best practice and, um, and learning for everyone else. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and of course, behind that, you've got the client businesses also doing their part to either change behavior, as you've both said, um, or um, in their own operations. But as, as we know that generally speaking, um, with some industries being a big exception to this, you know, if it's a consumer facing business, the the own operations will be a relatively small part to the entire um, impact of the whole mm. supply chain. Um, so that's uh, um, something um, that we can look forward to more of. Um, so just um, thinking about, um, you know, uh, a sustainable, um uh event um what, what does what does that look like what you know both of you will have had experience of looking at that you know what what are some of the hallmarks uh, of a sustainable event rachel maybe starting with you and then we'll finish off with anna yeah i think anna, anna's definitely the expert in this area but i think in terms of i can talk you know we run like 60, 70 events, a lot going online now, which I think, you know, if you're talking about sustainability in its purest sense, perhaps um, is that, but as Anna's pointed out, it's not quite so so straightforward. And when we look to our awards programme, for example, judging, we've made half of that online and half of it in person. Um, in terms of the event itself, we've looked at the menus, we've looked at travel and, and reducing that. We've looked at everything we do on the night in terms of ensuring there's not 
any waste um, that can't be recycled. So I think, you know, we, we're looking at it still in perhaps more basic level. Um, and I think Anna can perhaps talk to more how, how we build on that. But just, you know, as an events practitioner and as an organisation running a lot of events, we've been able to make um, a fair amount of change already. Um, but we're conscious there's still a little way to go um, and hopefully working with Isla to help us get there. Yeah, yeah. Anna, so what are the hallmarks uh, today of a sustainable event? What are the things that really, you know, sort of stand out for you? I think, well, I think there's there's probably two things in that. And I think Rachel's touched upon a number of them, which is looking at the opportunities within what you're doing to reduce your impact. Um, and, and Rachel, you referenced, you know, the food, the travel, um, the way you've designed your events and the considerations that you've put into place. I think those are the things that uh, show the practical application of solutions um, to reduce that carbon impact. But I think the hallmark um, that, that kind of we, we should be transitioning towards, and it's actually incredibly similar to what Rachel talked about in the advertising space, is about having an objective um, and working towards that objective and kind of measuring your successes against that. So I think we often, sustainability can feel like quite an overwhelming subject for many people. Where do I start? But I think when we take an objective that has a time frame or a, a metric around it, you're suddenly able to put a strategy into place and look at the way that you'll deliver that strategy um, towards achieving that objective. So whether it's the 50% uh, carbon emission reduction by 2030, that's got a time that's got a, a metric against it that's measurable. You therefore are able to start looking at how you strategize that. And it's the same for an event. You need to have an objective in place. What do you want to try and achieve? Do you want to try and achieve a certain percentage of your food being plant-based? Do you want to achieve a certain percent of your guests traveling by a particular public transport? Do you want to achieve a certain percentage of carbon emission reduction? Once you've got an objective, everybody can rally rally behind that it's a lot clearer than sustainability as a word which means you know which is how long is a piece of string um, but when you kind of set your objectives you say we're having roughly this many tickets that we want to sell uh, we want to have roughly this many um, you know speakers this is approximately the content program that we want to develop whatever your event is you're already setting yourself lots of objectives to, to work towards you need to do the same thing for sustainability so I think that for me would it becomes progressively the hallmark um, of uh, of uh, kind of a sustainable event because that's about embedding it into behavior embedding it into considerations embedding it into design yeah. delivery and so on um, and you can measure your progress and your successes against that and consistently improve those objectives achieve overachieve past those objectives or or say we can start doing more now and what strikes me as you're speaking is that, um, you know, as with any um, complex program, understanding where the big numbers are, you know, um, yeah. whilst obviously the, the aim is perfection in all areas, you know, the, the, the progress towards that will be accelerated by grappling with the yeah. big with the big numbers first. And that's a big thing for us. That's why Trace, which is the carbon measurement platform, is so important because Trace provides uh, visibility on multiple different levels. It applies, um, it enables visibility at a single event level. What is the impact? Know the emissions of this event. Um, you know, the more you're using Trace, the more events that an individual business or an individual brand um, or an individual, uh, you know, delivery partner is using Trace, they're starting to build a 
uh, a visibility of their entire um, uh, portfolio, which means that they know their emissions of all of their events. And you can start to filter that information between type of client, type of event, region of event, uh, you know, and start to track trends that enable you to develop your strategy um, in a very, very meaningful way where you can say, well, well, actually, 70% of our emissions are coming from award, award, our awards program um, and only 30% are coming from conferences, as an example. Therefore, we're going to focus on that 70%. It enables you to be very strategic. But beyond that, actually, all that data feeds up to an industry level. So we've got the single event, the organization, and then we've got industry, which is where, you know, Trace for us at Isla is such a valuable tool because that's where we're able to gather our data and our insights and set an industry trajectory and an industry standard and an industry approach for reducing carbon emissions from which we can provision through our community, through the association arm of what we're doing, through our direct action initiatives, actually how we deliver those services, what resources need to be developed, what kind of education is required, how do we set an industry strategy that we can then enact across that membership and across our initiatives. So kind of exactly like you're saying, knowing your big numbers um, is really, really important, knowing your emissions and knowing that at those different levels. As with um, Ad Net Zero overall across the five actions, this action is no exception. It all starts with measurement, understanding where you are, understanding where your challenges are, and then creating strategies to deal with those uh, big impacts. And uh, as you say, you know, you've got the obvious sort of direct carbon uh, impacts, but you've also got the indirect carbon impacts. So we're coming towards the end of time now and just like to say a big thank you to Anna um, and to Isla and all the work um, that you've done and to remind listeners that those resources are all available uh, as uh, Anna mentioned earlier. Also to Rachel and the DMA UK for the pioneering work that you're doing in setting standards for awards to both explicitly and implicitly improve the sustainability of the awards that the industry recognizes and appreciates. So, uh, and to everyone listening, um, as you can hear, the five actions are um, mutually supportive and um, reinforcing. And hopefully that gives you the um, clarity, but also the conviction that to move on the big numbers, the things that um, uh, really uh, are the, the, the first challenges will start to create ripple effects across all the actions. So that's all we have time for. Um, goodbye from me. I'm Seb Munden, Chair of AdNet Zero. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of AdNet Zero, making every ad a green ad. We hope you found today's session inspiring and helpful. If you want to join us on our path to net zero, make sure to check out adnetzero.com, a website giving you further resources and training, as well as information on how to become a supporter.